With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back in, everybody. Another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast coming at you right now. Episode 27, as always. The big guy, the teardown king, McNutted, coming at you right now. Happy to have you back in. Please, 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 if you guys are listening to us, rate and review on the podcast. Helps us out so much. And without further ado, let me introduce my main squeeze. You know him, Adam at ETM4DHS on Twitter. What's going on, big guy? You ready to do this? Mike, ready to do it, man. Let's get into it. We got another best ball deep dive. It's going to be a fun one, man. I'm really excited for the deep dives of best ball we're getting into. Yeah, man. We talked last week. We talked about floors and consistency and building a championship roster with turds. And I know the biggest pushback why we're doing that whole episode is, but Mike, what about spike weeks? Yes, I'm going to look into spike weeks. And I have looked into spike weeks. So I'm here to present you. The Dynasty Degenerates, and Adam with the Spike Weeks case. And then we'll uh, get into our findings and how we want to build a, uh, a roster. So you ready to dive into some of these Spike Weeks, Adam? Love it, man. Dynasty Degenerates, here we come. Let's get into the Spike Weeks. Let's go. So I will start right off at quarterbacks. And this is kind of the uh, most complicated one. <laughs> the absolute most complicated one. So Josh Allen's a stud. I used the uh, the same ones as last week, too. The uh, hypothetical trades. Right? Let's okay. keep it consistent yeah. across the board. Sure. Jo- Josh Allen spiked a whole shit ton. So let me just get into first. Let me describe how I define spike weeks. So I, I, I peruse the internet. And the best I could come up with would be top five for quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. And then top three for tight ends, right? Because there's only 12. <laughs> Everybody else has got 24 in Superflex. So... Yeah, if if you're if you're going to be counted as a spike week, you had to hit top five for that week. Unless you're a tight end, then the uh, the requirements are top three. <laughs> no one gives a shit about tight end five. <laughs> Sorry, I mean if you're not, five. I think that's a good that's a good um, basis because if you're not top five, I mean, are we really going to call that a boom week? Like, yeah, I don't really. think you can just say wide receiver one. That's not really a boom. I like top five. The only one where I'll make like the slight caveat where I'm willing to look at like top ten would be for quarterback because of the super flex position. And generally, top 10 quarterbacks score a shit ton. So right. it's just so much of an advantage over having, 
you know, some random wide receiver in your super flex spot, right? Uh, a top 10 week from a quarterback is much better than a wide receiver 24 week from <laughs> your fifth string wide receiver. Like it means exactly. so much more to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. The top 10, I mean, the top five quarterback points week in and week out are going to be really, really high. Yeah. They're going to be massive. So Josh Allen, stud, absolute fucking unit. <laughs> he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine spike weeks last week last year wow that that, that's higher than i would have expected honestly yeah uh ranging from 37 36 29 29 21 actually got him into a top five one week so this is just random uh not random generic four point passing touchdown scoring player these are all pulled from player profile the actual points per week so 36 31 23 trevor lawrence absolutely none and zero <laughs> damn spike week at all last year wow okay Mac jones one one josh allen far outpaced that package so while i might be able to make the argument on the floor of the package and the consistency i i can i can tell no lies and make no damn argument about the ceiling of josh allen versus a package of quarterback outside sure. of other studs <laughs> yeah i mean we're not going to sit here and act like Josh Allen still isn't an absolute beast. Nope. Um, I think the big argument is more so he only equates to one spot versus two. maybe two spots. Yeah, but he does spike hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> but when but when <laughs> when Josh Allen goes off, man, he's going to hit you in the teeth. All right, so let's look at another quarterback that we did, uh, Jalen Hurts, right? And he had a good year last year. Um, he only had three spike weeks, Adam. That was kind of interesting to me. Three. <laughs> 28 26 is, and 31 that is interesting i would have i would have guessed that those two were closer in boom weeks that's what i would would have would have assumed but uh nope <laughs> so uh jared goff uh daniel jones and ryan Tannehill. goff had one 29.9 danny dimes he had one 29.5 and ryan Tannehill had zero he had a couple sixes no top fives, no top fives. <laughs> so, okay yeah, he just missed it so if you were just looking at that package, though, like, man, I got the much better floor, I would assume, with Goff, Dimes, and Tannehill over Hertz, and, you know, I'm missing out on one spike week. Right. I'm okay with that. Like, that's yeah. fine to me. The Josh Allen one, it was like, nah, like, I, there's no possible argument I can even make that this is close. <laughs> Nine to one. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Now, now, that's the other crazy thing with him, with Josh Allen, is nine of 17 weeks, man. That means yeah. over half of the weeks he was giving you a boom. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, so then I went and I did it by top 10 weeks, right, just so I could look and I can get like kind of a more fair assessment for the Superflex. But I understand if people don't want to take the, the data, right? You, you said top five. I get it. I get it. But let's look at top 10. So if I make that threshold top 10, Josh Allen's got – uh again nine so he's either top five or not tough <laughs> yeah that's, mm -hmm. that's the way he rolls uh trevor lawrence two and uh mac jones hit five top 10 weeks so just just for reference like what top 10 would be for trevor lawrence it was 22.7 and 18 points uh mac jones 22 20 21 19 and 22 so you're still in that 20 point ballpark for a top 10 week for a quarterback not too shabby not at all man that that's i mean th that does tell you though that even though lawrence and mac jones are not in the top five now they combine for seven top tens so 
yeah. not quite the boom, but they're not like really bad when you talk about seven top ten finishes between the two of them. And I, I will take that back to uh, Josh Allen. If I look at just top ten, he had one extra week, so ten. 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 Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, J- Jalen Hurts. If we look at him, he had ten as well. Ten. To- ten top ten weeks. Wow, that's hard to say. Who knew? Ten, ten top, top ten. ten weeks. My bad. Top ten. <laughs> top ten. Top ten. Vodka's kicking in. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared Goff had three. Danny Dimes had two, and Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill had three as well. So you're looking at total between the package of three guys. Well, we got eight. Sound like eight, yeah. Eight to Jalen Hurts is ten, so a little closer. Still probably favoring the one guy, but then, you know, we take into account floor. Not a, really a question for me. But we'll, we'll touch on that later, like kind of what I feel should be the optimal strategy yep. in these leagues. Uh, one other exercise that I want to do with the quarterback spots, I took the top five guys and I just put them all in one thing. And then I took everybody last year who was in that back end QB one range. So Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> it sucks to say Jimmy Garoppolo, but in points per game, he was in that back end QB one range, <laughs> like top end QB two, which is fucking gross. I'm sorry. Wow. Horrible. Yeah. As we found out today, nobody wants him. <laughs> nobody wants him. Somebody even wanted Baker. Yeah, but San Francisco wants him so they can get the comp pick when he walks next year. That's that's, that's it, I guess. That's exactly right. Well, we touched on Josh Allen, so this is just looking at top five weeks, but like Justin Herbert, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, surprisingly, man, you, you know how good Tom Brady was last year. He had eight, eight spike weeks, top five. Way to go, Tom Brady. Kyler Murray Man. only had three. Only three. 34.6, 35.1, and 30.8. Outside yeah. of that, he never touched top five again. Uh, Mahomes, uh, down year for Patrick Mahomes. He had five. And then if I look at these guys in the back end, Kirk Cousins, one week. One week of top five. Mr. Consistent, but not Mr. Boom. <laughs> Matt Stafford, he had five, surprisingly. But he also had some absolutely atrocious games. You remember when we were calling yeah. Matthew Matthew Goff? Matthew Goff. Yeah, I mean, but the, I could see that, though. That's interesting, yeah. though, to, to know that Matt Stafford had more booms than did Kyler Murray last year. Yeah, really, really kind of interesting there. So, I, again, I don't know how sticky this is. I just wanted to be fair and just go off of last year for everybody. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he had one, so... I will generally say overall, looking at the quarterback position, though, it looks like the stud quarterbacks are much more likely to boom than just kind of the mid-tier guys, which sure. I think is probably a fair assessment of the quarterback position. Yeah, I think I think that that's pretty accurate, right? The, the mid-tier guys, like you said, Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins is going to keep you in plenty of weeks, but he's unlikely to finish as the Josh Allen, the Herberts, the Staffords when they go off. And five quarterbacks going off every week it's probably going to be more of the studs than the mid-tier low-tier guys yeah uh last point then we'll move on to the next position i just kind of want to look at like how hard some of these guys spike so justin herbert had a 42.8 week i think i remember that one um in the bomb squad we have a little bit more juice scoring for the quarterback as long as you're not a turd and taking a lot of sacks throwing picks is that versus cleveland uh week five so I believe so. Yeah. I remember in Bob's Squad, he went for like 60-something in <laughs> the juice scoring there. Um, yep. 
Allen never broke 40, and it doesn't look like anybody else was. So Herbert was kind of the runaway, far and away, like biggest boom, one week smash league. Yeah, that was week. that was uh that was versus Cleveland, 47 to 42. I remember the game. Oh yeah, nice shootout. So just for a little bit of context there, everybody else, you know, usually booms in about the 30 range. <laughs> Sub Justin Herbert, he's got them locks. All right, <laughs> running locks. backs, Adam. Now we get a little bit closer and a little more interesting. Jonathan Taylor, RB1 last year, right? Uh, seven. Seven boom weeks. 31, 28, 34, 24. Uh, that 53.4 game. <laughs> that, that one definitely won somebody a week. <laughs> Easily. 24.3 and 23. Uh, the package that we had for him was Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette. So Aaron Jones had two. And Leonard Fournette had three. So coming close on the package to Mr. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor at Boom Weeks. And these aren't like turd Boom Weeks either. 41.5 for Aaron Jones in one week and 44.1 for Uncle Lenny, Mr. Wow. 260-pound Lenny or whatever he is now that people want to make fun of him. Man, put yeah. 44, 44 fantasy points in a week. Come on. Put some respect on his name, man. Yeah, he deserves it. All right, the other trade that we had, Dalvin Cook for Tony Pollard, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and J.D. McKissick. You remember that third one? I, I'm, I remember this one very vividly. I'm very interested to hear about the boom weeks of these uh, gentlemen. Dalvin Cook, one boom week. One. Wow. That actually... Um, Pittsburgh. That, that, that really speaks to Dalvin Cook because I, I think most people would say Dalvin Cook is an absolute boom guy, right? And he didn't show Had it. one. And he had one. One. Wow. Uh, the entire package, one from the entire package, and it was assigned to Tony Pollard. So they matched him. We showed how consistently the package would have been more beneficial to you for a higher floor last week. And this week I'm showing you that the package booms just as much as Mr. Dalvin Cook does. Because <laughs> Tony I, Pollard had one and Dalvin Cook had one, so they're equal. <laughs> I'll say I was, I'm surprised Dalvin Cook only had one. But I'm not surprised at all that J.D. McKissick or C.E.H. did not did, hit a boom did, week last year. Did not year. have one. Yeah, okay. yeah that, that's yeah, pretty easy for me to get. <laughs> Wide receiver position, Adam. Jamar Chase. Uh, and the package of Allen, Keenan Allen, and D.J. Moore. Jamar Chase had three boom weeks. And we all know the last one. Week 17 championship game, 55.6. That's a hell of a boom yeah. week for a wide receiver. Yes. No denying that. Keenan Allen had one, and DJ Moore had one. 22 for Keenan Allen, 32 for DJ Moore. So DJ Moore did. DJ Moore had a 32 point game with, I mean, Sam me throwing the football. It felt like <laughs> I remember watching so many of those games because I have a bunch of DJ Moore. Like, if anybody else was back there, like he's okay, just horrible. Yep. And the breaking news today: Baker Mayfield's now back there. Maybe, possibly. Yeah. Who knows? It's, he, it, it's hard to say, but I, I can't imagine he doesn't start based on how horrible their quarterback play was last year. I don't know. I saw the tweet, too, today where they said that uh, the Panthers had actually given up more to go trade up to take Matt Corral than they gave up for Baker for Mayfield. For Baker Mayfield, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so who knows? <laughs> uh, Devontae Adams, highly consistent. I think we touched on that last week, and I'm – pretty sure everybody would say he probably booms he had uh five last last year five boom weeks and they're all over 30 points when he booms it goes over 30 <laughs> yeah I, I, that's the other thing he when he did boom like 
he was in that that league winning for those five games. Like he was putting up thirty plus, maybe forty points yeah. in a couple of those games. Uh, thirty one, thirty seven, thirty, thirty three, thirty point six. And that's in is that a full PPR or half PPR? Full PPR, I believe, is what player profiler scoring goes off of. Could okay, be half, but I'm no, pretty sure. E- it's either serious. way, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's full PPR. Okay, I, I don't, I don't want to misspoke. So L- let me say I'm like seventy percent. Okay, <laughs> so got it. Let me take the cop out. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah, it. I'll, t- I'll take the cop out, like in case somebody comes on and comments on Twitter, like, "Yeah, you're wrong." Well, I did only say seventy <laughs> percent. You got to build in the back not, door. Not a hundred percent. Either way, uh, he, he boomed five times and had really good weeks those five weeks. The consistency package that we had for him last last week was Christian Kirk, Tyler Boyd, and Brandon Cooks. Now, combined, those three had two boom weeks, 24 points from Christian Kirk and 29 points from Brandon Cooks. So if you're a Brandon Cooks fan, that also came with Davis Mills. So giddy up to both of those boys. Yeah, very much so. Wow. Brandon Cooks, man, he sneakily consistent. Always a top like fifteen ish wide receiver, and yep. he. I think what's lost with Brandon Cooks, the player. I don't want to get too much off the track here, but Brandon Cooks, the player, has had so many different quarterbacks, Mike, and For has sure. consistently been consistent. Yep, yep. I love it. I love it. Consistently consistent. <laughs> it's like magically delicious. Magically delicious. <laughs> There's a show title right there. We got it. Seventeen minutes in. <laughs> Consistently <laughs> consistent. <laughs> oh, man. All, All right. right. Let's keep going. Tight end position. Travis Kelsey or the package of Hunter Henry and TJ Hawkinson. So Kelsey had six boom weeks. Uh, one of them was a 40-point game. Week 15. That's pretty impressive yeah. from the tight end. This isn't like tight end premium scoring either. This is just you know PPR. 70% Mike, you remember, PPR. <laughs> Mike, if you remember week 15, that was that... Um, he had an insanely long touchdown that he broke a few tackles. I'm yes. sure people thought he was going to go down, and then he ended up having like a, I don't know, something 40, 50 plus yards touchdown, which was is that an massive overtime for a tight end. game too. Like I feel like it was. oh, you know what? It might have. You might be right. I'll pull that up while you keep going into the stats. I, I felt like he was on a tear, and then it went to overtime, and then he scored like the game winning touchdown as well, just to add insult to his already on a tear game. Yeah. Uh, the package of Hunter Henry and T.J. Hawkinson. Also, they had five, five between them. So nineteen or twenty for Henry, twenty-five one week for Henry, week fifteen. Also interesting. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson, remember the early, the first two weeks, over twenty points both. Twenty-six his first week, twenty-one his second week, and then a nineteen-point game at the tight end position. So not too much surprising for me that even though like the elite tight ends kind of give you a little bit of advantage that. If you kind of just package some of these other tight ends in with touchdowns and the way the tight end position is in general, maybe the packages, you know, spike just as often as the studs. Maybe not as hard. I don't know how many people are going to get 40-point games. (laughs) Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews are kind of different breeds when it comes to that. But For sure. There's an example for you. Yeah, by the way, week 15, that was versus the Chargers, and Travis Kelsey had a 34-yard touchdown to win the game in overtime. That was the the one that everyone's remembering, and yes, it, Mike, you were right. It was an overtime, so extra time, and he went off in overtime with a 34-yard touchdown to make his 40-point week. 
I'm good for something around here, right? I got the random, Absolutely. Like, just memory that sticks in my head. Like, I thought he, he scored that in overtime to win the game or <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know how and, and, I know and, these things. but And instead, I get him doing, you know, COVID the next week <laughs> when I need him. <laughs> well, those kind of memories never, uh, never amount to anything. Just random parts on this show because I'm sure my wife would love if I could remember, like, anniversaries and birthdays. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, for something for something more important in the real schemes of life but we yeah. we got those locked up man locked in the bracks all right mark andrews or the package of dawson knox cole Komet, and tyler higby mark andrews boom six weeks last year also man. a 41 point game week five and those were indianapolis mm, i don't remember who it was before who uh, who it was against Jeez, Jeez, louise uh, but I do remember it being in bomb squad and somebody went in a week because of that one for sure. Yeah, it was versus Indianapolis. They came back. Remember, they were down huge and Lamar brought them back and uh, Andrews went bananas. Oh, my. Uh, the package of Knox, Komet, and Higby, the only one to boom out of there, Dawson Knox three times. Hmm. So about 50% of what Mark Andrews did. Cole Komet and Tyler Higby never hit top five at any given point during the week, but Dawson Knox did. And what does Dawson Knox do quite a bit? Because he isn't getting buoyed up by the number of catches. <laughs> He's getting buoyed up by touchdowns. He's getting touchdowns on some of those nine Josh Allen boom weeks. I do feel like every time I ask a question, which I already know the answer to, like I need to do the Brian Winhorst, like <laughs> put my fingers in the air and then look up. I, I think I could fit. Other than I like it. Wendy doesn't have a beard, so I don't really fit it too much. But. <laughs> All right, so let me just move on to the last two trades that I got dunked on for, and we did the meme tweet segment about, but let's see how they did in spike weeks. So, Andrews, we just touched on six spike weeks. I got a package of Ertz, Cooks, and Josh Jacobs. I got three spike weeks out of those guys. So one from Ertz, one from Cooks, and one from Josh Jacobs. And then the JT trade, we touched on him. He had seven spike weeks, and I got a package of Gibson, Mooney, and Myers. The whole package, I got four spike weeks out of those guys. So two from Gibson and two from Darno Mooney. So not I like too it. bad. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think Adam, to me, my biggest takeaway was we know that the studs spike more and they spike harder. It just wasn't as much as I thought. Like a lot of these positions outside of quarterback, I think you can get relatively 60 70 percent of like spike week production from just a package of good starters just just good ones adam do you when i read that off is was that kind of your takeaway like looking at all those positions like quarterback for me definitely was the one where i was like okay like i see a clear distinction between elite quarterbacks and just the everybody else's right but, man, even at those other positions, like the Jonathan Taylors, those elite running backs, especially at the wide receiver position, um, they just don't they don't seem to, like, outpace the rest of the field as much in spike week production for me. Yeah. I think, like, one of my big takeaways when I think about the boom weeks and also the floor – um, how many of these guys are really like wide receiver twos, running backs, you know, that are actually going to make your lineup and certainly help you win a week or get a better floor for the week? I, I think there's a good blend, right? But I think the probably the big two takeaways from here are one, 
the lineup narratives that people have in their minds. And it's just that, you know, all you want these studs and the difference between a stud and some of these mid-tier guys in trade value is so widespread, right? So you have that that you can play off of. And I also think there's a balance, though, of, like, I think you really want to get crusty when you can and when you can afford to. But I also think, like, you do want to have a blend. I don't think you want to have, you know, too many because you're not going to have enough depth. But you want to have some studs that can still boom, right? You still want to have a small amount of a couple studs, two, three studs. But you really, more than anything, need to have so much depth backfilled to keep giving yourself more shots at making your floor higher. I think ideally, let's just start at the quarterback position for roster construction for a win-now best ball team. Like what my ideal one would be. At the quarterback position, I either need one of two things to go my way. Adam, I need an elite asset, one, for sure. Mm-hmm. And maybe a couple of good assets. So a, a Kirk Cousins, a, a Tua, and ideally I would love to have just like that fourth shitlord thrown in there. You know, a Danny Dimes, a Jared Goff, a sure. Marcus Mariota, you know, if Watson's suspended for the whole year, a fucking Jacoby Brissett. Just give me something. In Another game. longer dart, but is quarterback starter so that you have chances. The other option at the quarterback position, which I'm comfortable with, I would agree, though, probably doesn't score as many points um, between the super flex and the, the starting quarterback position year long, but still gives me that floor that I desire where I'm not going to have a bad week at either spot, would just be five anybody with a pulse who's fucking has a job that's starting relatively safe for starting so again like the the golf you know maybe a, a baker mayfield uh, a Tannehill, um daniel jones um trying to think of some other turds in that range so <laughs> he could just matt ryan yeah matt ryan I mean, yeah. Carson Wentz. Carson even. Wentz. Yep, Carson yeah. Wentz. Like just somebody with a a Hell, now after the trade, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, a Davis Mills. Yeah, just somebody with a job. I'd like to have five of those guys. Yeah, yeah, so, I could so, I could get behind that too. So either I'd like like one stud, and then like the depth just to go with the stud, because I'd like that that spike week production, that week winning production, or let me get five of these just mess. And I'll just go with the five miss. I I, I kind of want to stay out of the middle where you have three Matthew Stafford types. Like, I don't know how much that really is going to benefit me because I'm still going to have those negative weeks and I'm still in danger of having to start, like, uh, you know, uh, my fourth or fifth or sixth flex option entering my super flex because I only got three quarterbacks and they're not that consistent in general. And... Like, I'm just playing spike weeks. I don't want to be that volatile. So five turds gets me to super consistency, but without the spike weeks and one stud quarterback and just three other dudes gets me to that perfect blend of spike weeks and consistency. So for me, that's where I would be at with a quarterback. You, anything different that you would do there at that position? No, I think I think that's a good point. I, I think the reality, too, when you go, went through some of the numbers, right, the Josh Allen – Justin Herbert types, they're, they're week in and week out going to give you a ceiling that's different. Like, that's probably true, right? So if you can have one of those guys with some depth elsewhere, like, that does give you an advantage there. I think the reality, though, Mike, is 
if you have the correct roster construction and can afford that, I think that's probably actually optimal. But the reality, I think, is part of the allure and the intrigue for me and the crustier or even like you said, you don't really ideally you don't want that middle tier. But if you're one of those two, the reality of why I have that, Mike, is because I have a lot more depth and I'm backfield in all the other positions. And I think this is one thing for me, especially in best ball, Mike, that needs to be considered. Um, So I know in best ball, there's so many different options because every player can slide in and out of your lineup at any spot, right? You're just going to get the optimal score in week in and week out. But like when you're talking start nine, start 10 best ball, those boom quarterbacks, they're going to make a bigger difference because in start nine, there's only seven skill players to make up the difference, right? But when you get to start 11, start 12, start 13, now the difference in those two quarterbacks can be so much made up for by the skill players in those other spots. Yeah, that's huge for me. It's, it's also lineup size, and I'm stupid for not mentioning, too. The uh, the studs for me, if we're just looking at the quarterback position, become even more important in smaller lineups because I want that advantage over people more and more. Where exactly. If I just get a 20-point week for my super flex spot and like a start 12 or start 13, if I make it up versus other people's third, fourth, fifth flex option, I'm fine with it. Like I'm going to win that week. I'm going to beat you out just with consistency and the high floor. If it's a lot more condensed and you only have like one or two flex spots and your super flex at them, like I don't have as many chances to beat you out on a consistent basis week to week where I do agree with you. You still want some depth. Uh, I don't think you want to go all studs and duds, but you, you definitely, especially for the quarterback position, in my opinion, just the way they spike and how hard they spike and start nine at them. I think I might even want two two studs I, I want the the scott connor approach i want the the two top eight quarterbacks and then let me just find something with a fucking pulse to, to back these guys up but give me the two start you know the two studs yeah yeah i i fully agree and um i think that's a good a good example of like just understanding hey if it's a longer starting roster right if you're a start 12 start 13 you get crusty and you might think like, man, it's so gross because I I'm rolling out week in, week out, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, and company. But what you're doing there is you're just having a floor that's safe enough to where you're not losing significantly at the quarterback two spots there, but then you're probably gonna win in the 10, 11 other spots on your team when those long rosters. So those are just little subtle points, especially to think about. The last thing that I'll touch on there, I mean, kind of while we're on the quarterback and we're on this this topic of lineup size, Adam, is uh, the reason I think it's such a conundrum, right? Because in most super flex leagues, 12 team, 14 team, those weirdos who play 16 team super flex like Mad Men, <laughs> just absolutely fucking insane. But in those leagues, usually the quarterback carries the most value. That's your most valuable asset to what we like to do down tier, right, Adam? Like that's the one that's going to carry the biggest price tag. These are the guys that are going at the beginning part of the first round. These are the ones that everybody wants, and these are the ones that are the most scarce. 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. The, the problem becomes like if that's your most valuable asset to get the depth that you need, like you got to walk that fine line where, man, I need depth, but I also need the studs. But man, if I can't get the depth, then what good is the stud? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people, people clutch and hold on to Josh Allen, and it's like just fucking down tier, man. Go to Matt Stafford and pick up another running back and pick up a wide receiver, even in like start nine. I think if I need the depth, depth is going to be the priority at the quarterback position more than the stud. But ideally, like a perfect scenario, if I can get the depth without having to trade Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, those kind of guys, I'd love to do it. But I just want to put that caveat out there that those are the positions, those are the guys that carry the highest probability of you being able to get the depth that you need in best ball to win. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Mike. Um, kind of to carry that a little further, right? So if you're in those shallower start nine, start 10, let's call them for the sake of argument right now. Yeah. And, and you do have one of these stud quarterbacks and you are wanting to utilize that strategy, which we've just gone through and said that it can be optimal league winning for you on the quarterback side. I think... What is really a good takeaway from these two episodes, Mike, for me, if you're going to try to do that, like this might be the opportunity where you have to take, okay, if I'm going to ride Josh Allen types and make that be my advantage, what I also probably need to do is really lean into some of these really gross moves. Okay, my top running backs. I'm going to trade them for three to four pieces that we just went through in the running back and wide receiver room especially are very much more replaceable with mid-tier crusty guys you could even i mean that that one deal make is a smash except everywhere i don't even think you have to go that low of mckissick ceh yeah. tony pollard yeah. right you yeah. can you can utilize the advantage at quarterback and really get crusty at running back and receiver to try to make that push up and then vice versa like you said if you're not going to utilize that quarterback big boom week and you want to down tier from josh allen you could pretty much probably down tier to a, let's say, somewhere in that T-Law, Lance, Fields, Hurts, Matthew Stafford range, right? Yeah. Pick up yep. a piece or two. And then, like we just talked about, man, you could probably then down tier that again and get two or three more studs. So, like, kind of understanding if you're going to play the, the positional advantage at quarterback, really get crusty at the other positions. And if you're going to down tier at quarterback, go ahead and get reel in the muck and make sure the other positions are, are, are good too. So, but in start nine, start 10, you need to have a little bit more studs than just a start 13 type. For sure. All right. So the running back position, Adam, I think anybody who's considered a, uh, a stud, you know, our favorites, the Taylor, the Swift, the Najee Harris, the Javante Williams, uh, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, those type in best ball, I'm just looking to down tier them all I can. Like I, I don't want any part of them. Not that they're not great players, and you know I, I don't love them, but I'm so much more comfortable just playing in that midfield to crusty range. So give me Aaron Jones and Fournette and Zeke and uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, give me the you know the the JD McKissick you know as Tossins. Give me the Naheem Hines, uh, Kenneth Gainwell like. Ramondre Stevenson, like the, just these kind of guys. 
I'm so comfortable in playing there that if I've got any of those elite assets that are still carrying it and based on consistency and the high floor, that's the right move. And now when I look at spike weeks, these elite studs aren't booming as hard or at a significantly greater rate than some of these midfield guys. So if I can get a couple of them and just toss in a satellite back who might have a 30-point week because he catches a shit ton of passes, I'm cool. Like, you take the Jonathan Taylor, I'll go to the Krusties. I'll go to the guys that that nobody really likes on a competitive team. Now, long-term, Adam, value-wise, not the greatest move because the Jacobs of the world, the Aaron Jones, the Zeeks, right, they're dying assets. Nobody gives a fuck about satellite backs. Nobody gives a shit about Tony Pollard's of the world. But kind of what we touched on last time sometimes you can just stack these best ball teams to some point where your floor is so damn high and now that we kind of showed you the the spike weeks are pretty similar that you can almost lock up a title right i'm not gonna say guarantee because nothing in the world's guaranteed but make your odds extremely extremely favorable for you winning the money and ultimately adam that's what i play for like I, I love value. You and I love value. We love to talk about value and what's the value moves. But shit, man, at the end of the day, I love money in my bank account a lot more than, oh, I won the trade on value. No one gives a fuck. No one, I want the money. Yeah. I, I think um, the other thing too, right, when you start thinking like we do both auction and startups in best ball, right? So when I'm thinking about like the startup side, I, I think – as much as I love tapping these running backs early, a lot of times for sure, um, yep. that's our move. Even st- even still, like I'll do it in best ball. But I think like what we've talked about is, you know, if I can get out of Najee Harris types, um, De- uh, DeAndre Swifts, Javante William types, Brees Hall types, for two three assets that are legit, whether it's picks or players like that are legitimate assets, I'm lean doing that right but i think where, where i'm really intrigued though still in best ball mike is what i consider the value guys at running back that i think still are being drafted too low right okay. so like yeah you know like these later type fourth fifth sixth round type guys right the barclays the as much as i don't as much as i think his adp is getting pretty high the etns the um cam Akers, the antonio yes. gibsons JK right because Adams. Because the interesting part about that, though, is, Mike, I think the reality that we just went through with the running back is this. One, those are guys that are younger and we still like and probably are going to give you comparable boom weeks and help your floor and you don't have to spend the premium up high. And on top of it, like you just alluded to with Ezekiel Elliott, with Aaron Jones, with some of these guys, maybe they are a little better for a season, but, man, like... When Zeke dies, if he's on your roster, like he's already, what is he now? A seventh round pick? Like when he dies, it's going to be over. Like you've lost all that value. Same with Jacobs. Like these guys, you might be able to ride for another two, three years and still have that comparable points per game and boom week out of them. So I think that's where like my, my big intrigue is for the running back position in best ball. It's so strange too. Uh, we were, we were just talking about value, right? Like where where's value? Where what what's the value? You may die out, Adam. If if you take away names and and actual p and you just trade for picks in a startup, so Jonathan Taylor goes at the one hundred five, right? Mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker's going at the five twelve, and Antonio Gibson's going at the six hundred two. Like 
if I told you I'd trade you my 105 for your 512 and 602, I don't think there's a damn person in the entire world in a startup that goes, nah, <laughs> nah, yeah. nah, I'd rather have the fifth and the sixth. But Adam, I'm telling you, man, looking at it for best ball, even for value, for scoring points, for building a maybe a multi-year uh, monster, like a two, three-year one, man, give me the Kenneth Walker and Antonio Gibson side all day. And the crazy thing is you could ask for more and get it. You could get a shit um miles sanders who goes in the ninth tacked on or a tony pollard or or something like that and people won't bat an eye at that kind of deal like they'd be oh, it's just jt i gotta fucking trade all this for jt man just give me the the three shots and these are young guys too i'm not even getting super crusty i'm not taking the zeeks or the aaron joneses or the leonard fournettes like the guys you you were talking about who could just fucking die next year and, and be absolutely worthless nobody cares you know they're levy on bell they're they're todd Gurley. their career's over no one cares um yeah it's interesting to me that that the narratives around these running backs have pushed them down because of the lineup thing but in best ball man they make them highly appealing because you ain't got to start kenneth walker you ain't got to start antonio gibson you don't got to start miles sanders uh that's what best ball does for you like when they go off, they go off. They're in your lineup, and if you got all these concerns about Brian Robinson stealing carries or Kenneth Gainwell stealing passing work for Miles Sanders, doesn't matter to you. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yep. You're playing the numbers game. Yeah, I think you know, Mike. Um, I think this is a good transition to kind of something that's not necessarily into the um, what do you want to call it? The points per game floor versus boom and bust. But yeah. like, this is something we talk about on you know what we want to do with our teams in 4d and we talk about direction so much and i think one of the big intrigues for me mike in best ball especially is listen whether it's lineup or best ball like if the if my league mates are presenting facts and picks that are saying okay they're trying to go win like i'll pivot to rebuild and if it's vice versa like we talk about being flexible i'll go to the contending now, when you go to contending right away off of a startup, I think what we're getting into here is like if you pick that direction, like you kind of have to throw sometimes some dynasty value out the window, uh, like you alluded to in your bomb squad, right? Yep. And, yep. and you kind of have to say, man, this guy's not going to play all year and it's fucking gross, but like he's doing nothing for me. And I have to, if I'm picking the contending side, I'm trying to win now. So I, you got to lean into that. Now, conversely, Mike, this is where it gets interesting for me. Part of my intrigue with rebuilding in these best ball leagues is this. Like this information has not been out to a lot of people and a lot of the best ball, especially with like sleepers, new. So when I get in a startup, okay, like what we're just alluding to is asset multiplication is absolutely advantageous. So... I take my flexibility in my picks if I can't tear down to futures, right? But if I'm trading away my first round pick and I go rebuild side hard, so if I trade away a Najee and I'm getting two firsts, even if you don't get the second back, let's just say it's two firsts, right? Which probably is low for someone in a lineup league, but you just get out for two firsts there and you get out for you know a, a youth piece and another first and you keep multiplying assets, Mike, like, even if it seems gross because, like, all right, you know if you take a bunch of picks in a class, some are going to bust. 
But here's what happens. If you have that rebuild side for two years and you keep multiplying assets, like we're talking about some of these deals and some of these points per games where it's like, man, I'm, I'm putting all these crusty guys in and I'm winning. But what happens, Mike, and I built one already, where you have 20 plus guys that are top 12, 13 startup picks now. Like, dude, yeah. you're, you're, you're talking about now, okay, the, like we said, if you go compete right now, right, you probably have a year or two window, maybe three, if you play your cards right, where you get crusty and you just beat everybody off of that. But then it's going to die. But if you go the other way, man, you play your cards right, you could be looking at something that's going to be really hard to beat and you're youthful. So, like, it's in best ball, if you have multiplied 20 legit assets, man, that's going to be a team that's really tough to beat. We just went through all the numbers on why. I think that's huge, man. You can you can find your edge on the the win now side by going crusty and coming off of studs. You know, maybe you take studs early and then trade them later, or or you do it in the startup. You are kind right. of locking yourself into that direction though, where it's like I have no interest in these these darts, these projects, these. You know the the fucking rookie tight ends. I don't want a damn one on my team. Uh, I'm gonna stay away from rookies in general, outside of like Brees Hall. Like I, I just don't want to touch them. So you are kind of picking yourself for that. But Adam, you touched on it perfectly. The other one is the nuclear rebuild, the one where you're not tied down to assets and you just put it in liquidity. You put it into picks. You put it into I'm gonna cash this in when I feel like it. And you, and you you can take all those guys that people are avoiding, like, oh, Amir Smith-Marset, I don't want anything to do with What if he pops this year? He's just sitting on your – but you don't care if he does anything this year. But if he does, great, maybe you trade him for a second-round pick next year, and you just add more liquidity to it. And then maybe you take some of these rookie picks, Adam, and you maybe you make some of them for the ones you like, but then you can cash the other ones in. You can go, man, I've got so many of these assets right now. This team feels primed. Let me go buy a Zeke for this early early second. Let me go buy an Aaron Jones for a late first. Let me go buy this Carson Wentz nobody cares about. I'll toss him a second and a fourth round pick, and he'll gladly get off of him because he's going to go into rebuild. You can just go and make all these purchases with all this liquidity you have. Like You have carte blanche to just go pick and choose all the crusty guys no one cares about, and pretty soon you're looking at a roster that's got – five quarterbacks and seven running backs and 10 wide receivers and five tight ends. And you're like, nobody's going to beat this thing. Like it may only win this year, (laughs) but I've guaranteed the title. Like there's no way this thing's coming down. I need like 15 dudes to get hurt. This thing falls off the rails. Exactly. Like that's one of the things about best ball. That's so interesting because like, you know, if you're in start nine lineup, Mike, we both done it where it's like, okay, yeah. You have all these really nice pieces, but I, I have seven headaches every week. Like, who do I start? Who? Which one of these studs that's supposed to be on someone other team that's on my bench? Am I not going to start? Right for sure. And you and you have the headache of who you're going to play and what. Um, so ultimately, you're just trying to up tier and up tier and up tier. Now, in best ball, like if you do that for two seasons, and like you said, you're looking at all your depth and you have studs and youth like you you can you can make a few moves even because you're so deep with youth hell i'm gonna go 
play off the panic of everyone who's trying to rebuild because I've already rebuilt and took in all those really good assets. Now I can say, okay, you went off Aaron Jones. Here's, here's a second, right? Like here's a youth piece. That's okay. But like Aaron Jones helps this team move the needle to winning. Now you, you can basically leverage so many things. And when you get to the point where you're saying five quarterbacks, seven running backs, eight wide receivers, four or five tight ends. I mean, it would take a significant, significant, significant bad luck and injuries to demolish that team from winning. Like you can do that if you rebuild it correctly. Now, here's the thing to to think about: people start listening to this, people start playing in more best ball dynasty leagues, right? And they start realizing, man, asset multiplication is where I can get in trouble, right? Like if I went and bought some of these guys at the lineup price. And I'm paying two first and a second for a player, almost mm-hmm. period. Like you're going to burn your team doing that. You cannot really, man. Like if you're doing more, like if you're doing, if you're sending more assets than you're getting back, you probably need to have a significant value gain on your side to take less assets. And if you do that too many times, I don't even care if it's value gain for you. You're not going to have enough depth in best ball. There's only three. Four guys total in fantasy football right now, dynasty football, Adam, that in a start nine, start 10 best ball league, I would pay market price to go acquire. Like, period. Like, I mean, market price to go acquire a stud, like four elite guys. Cal Pitts at the tight end position, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, end of fucking list. As much as I love Swift and Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris and Jamar Chase is dope and uh, Justin Jefferson's dope, I will not pay market price for those guys. But the positional advantage that the elite quarterbacks, which we showed in the spike weeks, and just general consistency that they have, and then a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's just such a damn unicorn at the tight end position, who can really just turn into that Mark Andrews but 21 years old. Right, <laughs> the next five six years of your dynasty team. So, yeah, those would be the only ones I'd consider it. But let's look at the wide receiver position quick, and then we'll hit tight ends and then bounce out of here. But wide receivers, I would say, through consistency, uh, high floors, and now looking at Spike Week as Adam, the least valuable position in best ball, the one that I care the least about because it is so damn highly exploitable, just by sentiment of market. So. What I mean is, why pay a third-round startup pick or startup pick prices for a guy like Jalen Waddell when Darnell Mooney in the 6th, 7th, 8th round, wherever you end up getting him, will give you the same return, the same amount of spike weeks, the same kind of floor, literally the same age. Now, the value's not there, but he's arbitraged Jalen Waddell. And the wide receiver position for best ball especially is just littered with these these like clones with three, four, five round discounts in prices where I'm like, I don't want to fade them until the uh, the 11th round like I did last year. You know what I mean? The zero wide receiver strat. No, that was horrible with Kadarius Tony. That's my wide receiver one. But I've moved on from there where I'm not going to get the top three, top four, probably not top five startup wide receivers round wide receivers but give me all the dudes i can get at six seven eight nine 
and 10 at a discount. And then let me backfill with some Tyler Boyds and Jacoby Myers and, you know, Alan Lazards and these guys who are like double digits. Nobody gives a shit out. So that's yeah. where I'm at with the wide receiver position. I think it is the least valuable in best ball unless you do some crazy like juicing the scoring settings to like bring them up. And anybody who wants to say that, oh no, Jamar Chase is still valuable. No, no, I'm sorry, man. Like I look at Spike Weeks, sure he had the 55 one. But I could probably find just like some random Isaiah McKenzie we talked about, damn near 30 fucking points for me in Bomb Squad, and he's a waiver wire pickup. So just just give me an abundance of decent guys. I, I don't want anything to do with any of the studs. None of them. They would all be off my team. Even even the Devontae Adams, the old ones, the uh, I'm good. Let me just move on to Keenan Allen and, and get some other piece as well. So so Mike, this is interesting. Um I, I don't I want to hit on the wide receiver point, but I think really the reality is this format actually accentuates and puts it more to right now in our minds why we do the fade wide receivers till later because there's an abundance of them so much later in this deepest position, right? So I think really when you think about it, Mike, like for me, okay, you're talking about like if you if you're in a startup, okay, and let's say it's one of these where the trade back isn't happening, right? So I'm not able to get out of these. I'm not able to go from 112 and go get a fifth and a seventh and a plus or whatever. Like that, those aren't happening. So you have to sit there and you have to make your picks. For me, even with all this discussion, Mike, like to me, it's those first few rounds. Like if I can get pits, yeah, even in best ball, I'm still in. Outside of probably him, like I'm going to wait on tight end. Wide receiver, I'm going to wait on wide receiver. So as much as we say, like, I don't want that tier of Najee Harris, Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall. Like if I'm in those first four rounds, I might touch Kyle Pitts. And outside of that, it's quarterback and running back for me in those ranges. Because once I get to five, especially in the six, Mike, in best ball, like you give me. I'll just go the lit the last of all the rounds. You give me Hollywood Brown, Darnell Mooney, Juju Schmidt Schuster, Brandon Ayuk, Kadarius Tony. You're talking about like if I just tap all those guys from that point on, like I am great with that lineup start of wide receivers. Where listen, I think I think you could make the case in best ball that you could also string along. We we went through it. Some of these Tony Pollard. Clyde Edwards Hilaire types, you know, but mm. I, I still in this format feel so much it, it really rings true that I want to get these wide receivers later. Like if I couldn't trade out, like I, my thought process is still take the quarterbacks and the running backs early in best ball. I think too that there's probably, man, and this is just kind of a random guess, there's probably like thirty-six to forty running backs total that are just worth a fuck and not just outright trash nobody nobody wants you know waiver wire fodder something along those lines and outside of that it's just nah like i'm good man like this dude is probably well, nothing here that, that, that's actually a pretty good guess and number i'd say is probably accurate because okay so even at like running back 39 chase edmonds best ball i'm 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 still intrigued enough you know yeah yeah but running back 40 right you get to the michael carter Tyler Algier, no, Ronald Jones, I'm good, man. James Robinson, 
Nah. Brian Robinson, uh, TDP, Zamir White. Like we're drafting Zamir White and TDP in the top fifty, and like they may not even have a role in, in this season. Correct. They just may be flat out zeros. So for like I think weeks. I think that's now, another really good point, Mike. Go ahead. Sorry. Now, now the contrast is go down to like wide receiver 55, 56. Like add another okay, 15, here. 16 on there. There's guys in there that I still have interest on that will actually score you points. Shit, you could probably go down to wide receiver 60. Plus, Mike, I was just going to say, go to here, wide receiver 73. This is just a random one. It's not based on any knowledge I have of last year. I don't know if you have it in front of you, if you could pull it for us. Tim wide receiver 73 is Tim Patrick. Yep. How many boom weeks and floor weeks did he give? Can you get that for us? Like just yeah, for let me, let me pull old Tim Timmy Patrick up here and see what he did last year. Now because you're drafting him in the 16th or 17th round of startups here. Let me just go by his game log. So 38, okay, 13, 9, 12.7, 14.8, 15.9, 13.2, 18.5, 13.2, 15.5. He had a grand total of zero spike weeks, but he had one, two, three, four, five, six weeks above average, above Man. average at starting position. For Tim Patrick at wide receiver 73, you're not even going to come close to that at running, running back 45. Nah. Nah. <laughs> like they're just dead. They're zeros. They're probably not playing. Yeah. Period. It's a hundred percent. I think I think that's a great illustration. I, I didn't know like I figured he would have made some weeks. But there you go. Six above average weeks from a guy that you're drafting late, man. Like this is when people start having a hard time figuring out what they want to do, right? Because it's so late. And it goes to the point that I was trying to get to, Mike, with wide receiver, kind of the discussion we're having now. Um, if I'm starting to draft my receivers in the fifth and sixth round and I go from there, like if I have Hollywood Brown and Juju Schmidt-Schuster and Darnell Mooney and Brandon Ayuk and those types that have some boom weeks, like I can just backfill with Tim Patricks who are going to give me six above average replacement weeks. Like So I think that's a strategy that's, really drives home what I'd like to do in a startup in best ball format. I would say, too, this applies a lot to tight ends with the caveat of cow pits and maybe like, like the Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, if you can get those guys at values, right? I don't want to pay above market price to secure them. I think there's other positions I'd rather go. But outside of like that group, if we just make it like the elite ones, like you start getting into the Hawkinson and the Goddard and the, you know, some people got Albert O up there and Pat Fryermuth. Nah, I'm good, man. Let me just fade the piss out of this. Wide receivers and tight ends, I think in best ball formats outside of like the caveat for tight ends, I'll just fade those dudes until the double digit rounds, right? And give me all the Gaseckis and Cole Komet and Dawson Knox and Fance and Albert O's and Evan Ingrams right. and Tyler Higbees and Hayden Hurst and Hoopers. Like, let me just get five or six of these fucking guys. And I'll, as long as they're not Hunter Longs, <laughs> they're not Jelani Woods, they're not these guys that we like long-term in Dynasty, but probably ain't doing shit for you. Like, I want dudes who got roles on their team. And, you know, like, you look at the consistency guide. I'm going to need, like, 
three, four, five weeks from you. <laughs> That's it. Just give me a nice floor, be a tight end one, be above average. I can roll that out every single week and be completely happy as long as I'm not taking zeros at the tight end spot. So if I can get 12 points from you, great. I'll move on with my life. This is a good discussion. Um, I won't want to take too much time because we want to get out of here in a reasonable hour. But, like, all right, tight end. If it's a startup and we're doing best ball format, Mike, if I'm in a startup now, this is not an auction because I think there's two different strategies for me here. Yeah. Uh, um, if it's a startup, I'll take the swing early on pits. You could probably convince me that it's okay to take Andrews. I probably not something i'm willing to do in a startup but like i pretty much i'm going to take pits and if i don't get that i'm going to wait till about round 11 10 where i can get noah fant and i'll start there noah fant albert o um hunter henry david and joku the top 24 tight ends and i want to get about four top 24 tight ends later right in a startup that's my strategy Get the pit style and then backfill with some depth or just wait and give me four of the top 24s. Now, here's the thing. I'll say this, Mike. In startup, I would never do this because of the cost. But in auction, based on how people spend their money, and if it's a it's a tight end premium league, based on people blowing their loads and you kind of can leverage your money, one thing I am more interested in in best ball especially is... I'm not going to call it a tight end horde because that's not really what it is. But like you said, right, if you're going to do this in an auction, for me, I'm very interested in doing this where I'm getting two of the top five. So if I can get a Waller and a Pitts, a Waller and an Andrews, a Waller and Kelsey, Waller and Kittle, any one of those five, if I can get two of those, I'm going to do that if I can get it for the right price in auction. I would never do it in startup because you have to pay two picks in the top five. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of that, in an auction, if I have to, I'll go, once again go to the backfill of four of the top 24 tight ends. But I think the thing is this, Mike, in, in auction, if I can get two of those top five at a real good value, people will come pay for those top five. But what you already hit on is do not do this strategy for the Hawkinsons, the Goddards, the Friermuse, the Knox, because they do not carry the trade value. That, that will end up burning you. So I think that that would be the thing for me based on auction or startup, the way I'm really looking at the tight end position in best ball. Yeah, I don't know how many times in lineup leagues where I'm like, oh, I got Fant and Goddard and Friermuth and Hawkinson. Like somebody's going to come calling for them. They never do. <laughs> they, just, they don't give a shit. <laughs> Even in best ball, man, I don't think people care. Like just give me some crusties. I'll be fine. I'm not going to pay you for your TJ Hawkinson, what you no. want. So. No, good. but but the market is there in tight end premium for the true stud top five guys. Those those are the ones that people will come pay for. The difference makers. So generally, let's put a nice bow on it for me. What I would say, like if I'm in a, a traditional snake draft startup right now for best ball, Adam, say start 11, right? We'll just go a nice easy number. Start 11, I'm going to prioritize in the draft trading back and getting multiple assets. But let's say that for whatever reason, that's not available to you. I'm going to go quarterbacks. Then I'm going to go those like mid-tier running backs. Kyle Pitts is going to be in there somewhere in the first round, depending on where I pick as like a priority. Um, like if I'm picking at the 110, 
like you, like you kind of mentioned, I'm probably outside of the range of elite quarterback. Kyle Pitts would be the play for me. If I'm in the range where I'm picking earlier in the draft, the elite quarterback's going to be the play for me. Over, this is a, a change for me, over a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Like I'm going to go the Joe Burrow or the Lamar Jackson over Jonathan Taylor, which seems so fucking weird for me to say. But after doing this research, I'm like, man, I, I'm i good, man. Like Jonathan Taylor's a stud. I love him. I'm a running back kind of guy at heart. But I see the value in the elite quarterback. So let me go ahead with the elite quarterback. Round two then, you're hopefully you can get a second quarterback like a Russell Wilson, so a guy like right on the fringe, which is where I'd go. But if not, I'm going to go to the running back spot. Round three, again, still looking quarterback, but I'm probably looking at running back more than likely because I'm kind of getting out of that range of guys that I really like a quarterback. Let me just get some turds a little bit later, just some fillers. Uh, round four, running back. Round five, running back. And then like round six, seven, eight, nine i'm looking to start getting all the wide receivers that i can and then just backfilling my other positions with like the older running backs the um the 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 filler quarterback you know like my third the fourth one and then them double digit rounds baby rounds 10 11 12 13 14 15 the rounds that start getting super gross those are where i'm really going to hammer home wide receivers and tight ends like if i didn't go tight end early kyle pitts early i'm going for the the fans and the gaseckis like the guys i named off but also those wide receivers that we're talking about you know the boyds the, the jacoby myers these guys who have these nice floors maybe not the spike weeks but i'm just looking for solid production week in and week out if everything comes out right adam I'm still walking away with all my firsts, all my draft capital. I'm going to go trade that for more crusty guys that people don't value when I can. Preferably, like, man, if I got Josh Allen, I'm exploring, like, what you had mentioned. Like, maybe I go down one tier from Josh Allen and pick up another piece, and then maybe I really lean into that 5QB kind of strat, that 6QB crusty strat. And I go from that guy to an, you know another one, and I just keep going down the list and down the list until I'm just overloaded with assets. But generally, that's how I'm going to approach a startup if I'm looking to win now. Now, on the converse side, which you had mentioned, highly beneficial if you can be that guy who's like, yeah, I'll trade out around one. Let me get your couple first, and maybe a piece piece added on, and then let me try to do the same thing in the second round. And let me just tank the living piss out of this thing. And then next year, I'm coming for all your throats. <laughs> every yes. one of you. I'm coming for yes. everybody. <laughs> yes. And you're not going to like it. Yeah. I, and I think especially, man, if you can, on the rebuild side, if you can multiply assets, like if you're trading out of players that are studs and you're getting, whether it's picks or players, three pieces back and you keep doing that, you're just going to have so much depth. Um, one thing you hit on, Mike, which is uh, – what I kind of wanted to get to before we get out of here is when you start thinking about, okay, if you're in a startup and it's one of these, you can't trade back and trade out of picks, right? The the way I kind of think about it as we've gone through this exercise, Mike, is this, the positions that are the most scarce. And what I mean by that is this, right? At quarterback, pretty much you're going to have even when you get to the shitter shitters, like you're going to have 32 guys that are playing the large majority, 90 plus percent of snaps at quarterback. Right. So to me, like you want to get the quarterbacks earlier because even at running back, like you can get all the way up to round 
10, 11, you can get your Pollards, you know, Kareem Hunt's, as gross as it is, Chase Edmonds, Stevenson's that can give you weeks, right? You're not getting those type dudes really in at quarterback and in, in, uh, startups. So, like, for example, Mike, I just looked at this as, as I'm looking at Adigo's ADP. If I'm at the 101 spot, think about this for a second. If you just took the ADP, so if you what ADP says 101, I'm taking Josh Allen, 212, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence, 301, I'm taking Tra- uh, Matthew Stafford. I can be done at quarterback now. Round right. four, round five, round four and round five, I'm going to probably go those Acres, ETNs, Bar- Barclays, Gibson. I mean, as gross as it is, like uh, Montgomery, and then seventh, even you can get Jacobs. And then like that round, I'm going to go running backs. And then eighth, seventh. I mean, you're talking from there till round 12, honestly, you're talking really good players at wide receiver. You can go all the way there. And then obviously at round 11, down to round 16, you're going to fill tight ends before it gets too far out. And you're going to backfill with all the receivers later. And like, I think the way that's a simple way to think about it because when you get down to past round nine, Mike, you're talking either shitter territory for quarterback or quarterbacks that you don't even know if they're going to start the whole season. So if you have the opportunity to secure him early in a startup where you can't trade out of picks and then you go running back and then you go wide receiver tight end, like I think that's actually a pretty optimal strategy. I love it, man. I love it. I think that'll put a a nice bow on the in-depth look at best ball. We're still going to have more best ball content coming at you throughout the year. Um, We keep it mixed up, but it's becoming a a huge passion for us and a lot of people that we associate with. Uh, So we really want to dive into the the strategy aspect and and make people some damn money. And if you like what we're talking about here, come check us out. Patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. Get you in the Discord. We got annual memberships now. We, we've actually made it a full year where Patreon says, "Hey, we'll let you start charging for a whole year if you want." So, come in, you pay your dollar for the whole year, get ten percent off because you signed up for the annual membership. But the Discord's always popping. I think we're going to be making a, a best ball channel over there <laughs> with all this in-depth strategy. But you're in these startups, you're making deals in your best ball leagues. Great place to come and ask for advice, real time. Tag us, we respond and. If we can't get to you right away, we got a community of 100 and some strong now. 100 and some people, man. Sometimes the Discord chat just keeps popping off more than I can keep up with. So a lot of really smart, tapped-in people doing a lot of cool stuff. But, Adam, I think that's it for this episode, man. You get Hit that outro there. The famous, the world-famous ATM outro. We'll catch you guys all next week. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess... Play 40 chess. It sounds so good on these new mics. <laughs> That's going to do it for <laughs> us. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.